This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. the 10 Things to Tell You podcast. I am so happy to share with you a conversation with a fellow podcaster and fellow February author, Zibby Owens. I found Zibby first on Instagram and was, of course, immediately intrigued by her podcast because it's called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books which is just exactly the sentiment I'm fighting against all the time when women, usually moms, try to tell me that they don't have time to read books. So I started listening to Zibby's podcast. I love it because she has great author interviews. And then I was thrilled to be a guest on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books on that show earlier this month to talk about my new book, Share Your Stuff, I'll Go First. And now it's Zibby's turn. Her first book, Moms Don't Have Time To, a quarantine anthology, is just about the most perfect thing to read as we approach the one-year mark of the COVID-19 pandemic that sent so many of us into isolation in our homes. The essays in Zibby's anthology, Moms Don't Have Time To, they come from some great writers that you already know, Gretchen Rubin, Courtney Mom, Mary Laura Philpott, And it's broken down into these sections. Moms don't have time to read. Moms don't have time to work out. Moms don't have time to eat. Moms don't have time to have sex. And moms don't have time to breathe. These original essays, they are not all quarantine specific, but they do all feed into this idea that we don't have time for some of our basic needs or greatest passions. These essays are funny. They are heartwarming. They are short which is crucial for my waning attention span these days. And I think you will see yourself in these nonfiction stories and commentary. Another thing before we get to the conversation. In 2020, Zibby lost both her mother-in-law and her grandmother-in-law, her husband's mom and grandmother, to COVID-19. Also, just last week, days before her book release around the quarantine, Zibby herself was diagnosed with COVID-19 and experienced some harsh symptoms, including intense vertigo. I cannot imagine releasing a book while battling COVID, but Zibby has done it with grace and humor, and I'm thinking of her and her entire family this week. I also want you to know that all proceeds from the Moms Don't Have Time To, a quarantine anthology, will go to the Susan Felice Owens Program for COVID-19 Vaccine Research at Mount Sinai Health System. And now to this bonus conversation with Zibby Owens, podcaster at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books and editor of Moms Don't Have Time To, a quarantine anthology. Zibby, thank you so much for coming to be on 10 Things to Tell You. I am delighted to have you here today. I am delighted to be here. This is so much fun. It's so exciting to talk to you. Can you give the listeners, if for some reason they are 
uh, not familiar with you yet, and they should be, can you give us just some background a little bit on who you are and what you do? Because what you do is so much, there's so much out there. Can you give us just a little taste of it? Sure. I host the podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books, and I started Zibby's Virtual Book Club, so I do that every other week. Um, I ran a magazine called We Found Time during the pandemic, which I then turned into an anthology called Moms Don't Have Time Too. I'm also running Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight, which is another podcast once a week. Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books is five times a week. Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight is once a week um, with accompanying, you know, social groups for all. What else am I doing? I don't know. I was just making a list the other day. I'm like, what am I doing with all my time? I um, think you are. Those are my main, those are my main things. I think, and I'm a writer and I'm a mom of four. So I write a lot and recommend books and like go on TV and say like, which are my favorite books. And that's really fun. And I write every month for good morning America and pick the books that I love and uh, write for the Washington post. And I don't know, just try to, you know, get the laundry done at night. You are literally the hardest working person on the internet. You are like the Ryan Seacrest of <laughs> the internet, especially the bookstagram internet, I guess. You are like absolutely everywhere. I love it. I am just in awe of it. Today, we're going to talk mostly about your anthology that you put together during the pandemic. It's called Moms Don't Have Time To, a quarantine anthology. Tell us a little bit about where that idea came from, you know, what started your brain working on this and then how you were able to, to put it together. Uh, I didn't mean for this to become an anthology. I had the idea to do a website, kind of like a goop like thing about all these things moms don't have time to do. And that was my original vision is I wanted to have different categories and essays and have it be like a magazine online. Um, I had this giant I had it in my head. I still have it in my head what, I, what it could have been, but it wasn't. And I started working on that slowly and tried to like get a little team because I was like, okay, this I can't get done, get done on my own because I try to do everything myself. And then uh, when the pandemic came along, I was like, okay, we're scaling back the original concept, but these categories that I had in mind already for five things that moms didn't have time to do of the many, many, many that there are, not just moms, people, but um, I picked moms don't have time to eat, read, breathe, work out, and have sex. And I thought, I'll assign writers. I've had so many amazing authors on my podcast. How great would it be to generate new original content from them and, and put it up? So I assigned pieces and all those categories from the authors and decided to just throw it all up on my website as an online magazine that I, I called at the time, We Found Time, because we were all at home. And it wasn't exactly how I envisioned it. I was running around my house, like taking pictures of different corners of the house. This is like the visuals to go with every essay. Anyway, I did that for a couple months and I worked with a couple editors. So I didn't, it's not like I did that all by myself. And then in, I shut it down in July when I thought that life was going back to normal. I don't know if you had that feeling, but I was like, oh yeah, this is almost going to end. We'll be fine soon. I don't need this anymore, which was completely not true. And then in September, I was like, you know what? I wonder how many of those essays I actually ended up producing. Uh, so I went back and counted and then I kind of added up the word count and I was like, 
this is a book. This is like, this is a whole book. This should be an anthology. And I had all the contracts done because for every piece I assigned, I paid the authors a tiny bit and I had a contract and in the contract, I like own the rights to the essay. So I was like, this is the easiest sell ever to a publisher. I, it's like, it's done. And I had all these amazing authors who wrote for it. You know, I had tried to sell different types of books before, and this was just so easy and natural. And I went, I asked one publisher friend about it and she said, oh, you know, by the time it comes out, quarantine will be so far in the past, you know, it'll take at least a year or this and that. And I remembered that I'd had one meeting with Skyhorse Publishing and they had said, you know, if we need to, we can get books out on the shelf in like two weeks. So I was like, great, I'm going to pitch it to Skyhorse. And they're the only people I pitched it to and, and they bought it and here we are. <laughs> and I'm so glad you included that part about the publishing because I was going to ask how even even having it done publishing is like a snail it is so slow in general and I was going to ask how you were able to get it out so quickly and it is so timely because it's coming out in February like this pandemic rages on and I think that the timing is perfect actually even if the world is sort of writing itself we are going to be thinking about this past year for a long time and recovering from it and reflecting on it and all of that. And so reading these essays, which are very, some amazingly high profile, wonderful writers that you have that have written for this. It's, I think that this is, I think it's, you did it perfectly. It might not have been what you originally envisioned. I think it's been executed perfectly. If you want my opinion. You know, it's so funny when I got together with my husband, he kept saying like, it'll all unfold organically. And I was like, I am not that type of person. Things do not unfold organically for me. I have a plan and I work to achieve my goals. And that is how life works. And he has been a hundred percent right. I tell him this. I'm like, I was such a moron because this is one of those things that unfolded organically. I never set out to write an anthology or to edit an anthology rather, but here it is. And I'm thrilled about it. I, and I also love that like these authors who I have developed all these great relationships with and whose work I already really respect and like enough that I've had them on my podcast. Now I get to like take it to the next level almost. It's like our second date. <laughs> I mean, yes. I have to say when I read through the author list, I was like, oh my gosh, these, I mean, I want to hear from all of these authors. And also I'm jealous that you have relationships with them. Like so many great writers, Gretchen Rubin wrote a great essay that I liked. So the five sections are uh, read, don't have time to read, eat, work out, breathe, and have sex. And to be clear, the essays are inspired by those topics. So they're not just people saying, I really don't have time to have sex like 10 times in a row. It's, it's like the topic is sex. So people can write about it in any way they want it. It's all just like connected in that way. Was that your favorite section, sex? That was the one that anytime I told somebody that was one of the sections, they started laughing. <laughs> and is one that, you know, I don't think there's too much written about. I would like to commission more essays on this topic, to be honest. <laughs> I would like for you to, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps we could uh, team up and do a podcast about it. <laughs> um, I would love to. I, that would listen, that would be record downloads. <laughs> 
This bonus episode is sponsored by Third Love. If this past year has taught me anything, it's that I require comfortable clothing, including undergarments, at all times. And so that's why I'm so glad I have been wearing my new Third Love bra. Third Love uses the measurements of millions of women to design bras with all-day comfort and support. Every Third Love bra is made with signature memory foam cups, no slip straps, and a scratch-free band. Their cup sizes range from AA to I, with the bands ranging from 30 to 48. That is more than 80 sizes. I ordered a Third Love bra. I ordered the classic t-shirt bra, and it immediately became my favorite go-to bra after a year of wearing sports styles. I needed a little more oomph, but I also needed it to be comfortable. It is awesome. And yes, my friends, it has a tagless label, so you won't throw your back out trying to tuck it in. Choosing your size is as easy as taking their fitting room quiz. It focuses on breast size and shape, current fit issues, and your personal style to deliver bras and underwear that are perfect for you. Their fit stylists are available for one-on-one chats to answer your questions. Third Love also gives back. They donate all of their gently used return bras to women in need, supporting charities in their local San Francisco community and across the United States. I love this. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone, so right now they are offering my listeners 20% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash 10 things now to find your perfect fitting bra. That's thirdlove.com slash 10 things, the number 10, then things, and get 20% off your first purchase. Thirdlove.com slash 10 things for 20% off today. And now back to the show. I got through most of the book. I didn't get through all of it. Let me tell you about, I will by the time this airs, it's by fine. the way. You don't have to. And that's that's actually a really good part about the book. You do not have to read this whole entire book. I know more than anybody that moms don't have time to read books. So if you want to read some of the essays and not all, that's fine. Just, you know, buy it. <laughs> that's right. Just buy it. That's exactly right. I loved everything I read. I will tell you, I got in my feelings about the workout section because there was so much in that section about running and running is like my great, I don't want to, it's not a nemesis because I don't do it. It's like my great fear. You know, I'm just, when I, you know how sometimes when you see a topic and you just scroll fast past that topic, like you're like, oh no, I don't, I don't want to think about that. That seems hard or scary or whatever. That's how I feel about running. So in the running section, I was reading it and I felt like it was like pinging me of, the people who found working out or like moving their bodies in the pandemic, that that helps them reconnect or stay grounded or whatever. I was like, that is what I need to be doing in the pandemic. That is not what I was actually doing. I was, I was the opposite of that. But that it's, the essays were not to say that you should have been running during the pandemic. No, no, I know. (laughs) I know. I I hope that didn't shame you. Like the one, one essay was by Jill Santopolo about how she took up running with an old boyfriend and they end up breaking up, but she gets to do a triathlon at the end. So it, she, you know, as far as we know, she hasn't moved a muscle during the entire pandemic. In fact, she's had, she's had a baby. So that's what she's been doing during the pandemic. But yes, I know what you mean, but I, I also don't want to suggest that, um, you know, we all had to be have been doing anything. I wrote an essay in there about running during the pandemic and I think I ran twice. So, you know. No, it was not shaming. I don't want to leave anybody with that impression at all. 
it was about you know, I, I mean, there's a lot of, they're about different things or different ones. And I loved that one from her about learning to run from the ex-boyfriend and, you know, how, how patient he seemed with her, how he like taught her how to do it and he cheered her on and then they, and then they broke up. Um, I loved that story and that was not pandemic specific, you know, but I think it was, my point in bringing that up is when you're reading these different stories of people in any kind of anthology, but especially right now when we're all maybe a little fragile, um, that the essays got me, it just got me in my feelings quite a bit of like, you know, in the read section, like what, what we connect to and how we turn to reading, like all of the, it just, to me, it felt like one of the gifts of the past year has been a lot of reflection and a lot of forced stop downtime. And moms don't have time to do a lot of things all the time. And so reading these different stories, and a lot of them are like tender moments, and, and some of them are funny. And, you know, there's a lot of different perspectives here. But I really felt like it felt like the best of like humanity connecting. Like if there is going to be a gift from this past year of everyone being at home and having to like just twiddle their thumbs and look at each other that I was like, oh, this is it. This is what, this is what we're doing. And, that, and that's what a great anthology does. And I just, I felt like you really nailed that. Thank you. That's nice. <laughs> um, tell me what is next for you among all of the things that you're already doing. Well, I have a second anthology. This is also a two book deal and oh it'll gosh. be called moms also don't have time to, and that is going to be coming out in November of 2021 and that, and I'm already assigning all the topics and you know, all of that. Um, and that will be inspired by five other things that moms don't have time to do, which I'm going to forget, but sleep, lose weight, see friends, get sick and write. Oh, so, those are great. Thank you. I actually posted on Instagram and I was like, hey, what do you guys not have time to do? And then aside from drinking a cup of coffee while it's still hot, which I didn't think would inspire too many essays, um, those were the ones that were the best in terms of generating content. So I'm doing that. And I have two children's books coming out that I actually sold a while ago, but per the glacially slow publishing process. The first one called Princess Charming is coming out in the summer of 22 and no idea about the next one after that. So I have that and I don't know, I have lots of other stuff in the works that I'm thinking about. So we'll see. I know my audience is going to want to know, which is my way of saying, I want to know. You know what? It's so funny. You just said that. And I was like, Ooh, I should steal that line. I never say that. I should say my audience would want to know. I'm always like, okay, so <laughs> just going to sneak that yeah. in. Yeah. I love it. There are so many deodorant brands and products out there that it can take a lot of work to keep them all straight. But have you ever wondered if there could be one deodorant product for your whole body? Say hello to Lumi. Lumi is the first of its kind in the full-body deodorant world. It was created by an OBGYN who saw firsthand how regular body odor was being misdiagnosed and mistreated. My favorite part about Lumi deodorant is that it's baking soda and paraben-free. It is also pH-balanced for safe use on all areas of your body. And unlike other deodorants that try to mask odor with a fragrance, Lumi is formulated with mandelic acid to stop odor before it starts. It's more of a pre-odorant, if you will. 
Lumi's Starter Pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice, like a mini body wash or deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi Starter Pack with code TELL at lumideodorant.com. That equates to 40% off your starter pack when you visit Lumi, L-U-M-E, deodorant, D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T, dot com and use code TELL, T-E-L-L. Now, back to the show. Whether you are in a super busy season of life or don't want to make multiple weekly trips to the grocery store or just want to change up your meal routine, there is no better time to try Factor. I'm excited to partner with Factor this year because no one likes not having to cook dinner every night more than I do. Factor is a ready-to-eat meal delivery service that makes eating better every day easy. Each meal is cooked fresh and is never frozen, with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, Keto, and more. Each Factor meal is pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved There are 35 different options to choose from every week, plus an additional 60 add-ons to fill you up in between meals as well. All you have to do is heat your meal in the microwave for two minutes and then enjoy restaurant-quality food. Heat and eat, and that's it. These meals come right to your door, and you can also pause or reschedule your delivery anytime. There is no prep, no cooking, and no cleanup. What more can I ask for? Head to factormeals.com slash tell50 and use code tell50 to get 50% off. That's code tell50, T-E-L-L, then the numbers five zero at factor, F-A-C-T-O-R, meals, M-E-A-L-S, dot com slash tell50 to get 50% off. I, I feel like I've seen you answer some versions of this, so I'm sorry if this is a repeat, but I just, people, the world needs to know. How do you get all of this done? Like you create an amazing amount of content, quality content, by the way, and there's a difference. And, you know, just all these things, and you're a mom, and, you know, all these things. Can you just sum up how you're able to get all this done? I have been wondering that myself. (laughs) No, seriously. I know this will come out a little bit later, but yesterday I spent an hour. It took me an hour just to itemize the things I was doing because I realized I couldn't do it all myself anymore. And I've just reached a point where I can't keep up with my emails. So how do I do it? I am really efficient with my time. I'm really intentional with my time. So if I'm going to like leave my desk and go hang out with the kids. I'm going to hang out with the kids and I'm going to, that'll be, you know, I'm going to, or I'll pick an activity that I know I can accomplish sort of half thinking about while I'm with the kids, you know, like during homeschool or whatever, because we're still doing that. I let the kids watch iPads. I don't know. I probably shouldn't say that. I get a lot done when they're busy. I start working from the minute I wake up, which is usually around 530 and I, because of my kids, I, this is not, my kids are early risers. And because my kids span ages five to 13, I'm up early, early with the little guys and I'm up late with the older guys. And I just use all that time. I just use it. And also I should say I am divorced and remarried and every other weekend I have time to myself, which I actually think has been my saving grace. And probably without that, I wouldn't be able to do any of this just because of even just the mental reset of having my brain back and not be hijacked by everybody else allows me to do it. So that's really my secret weapon, I think. 
what is your preferred way to read? Because you also, obviously, because of your show and because of your interests, read a crazy amount. Oh, and can I also say, before you even answer that, you are one of the few people that I've seen kind of give permission to skim. 100%. And this is new sort of in my life because I felt like to have said that you read the book, you have to have like soaked in every word of the book. And so when I heard you, did you write about this or did I hear you talk about this on the show? I don't know. You, when you gave some permission to skim, I was like, oh, we can skim, especially nonfiction where there's like maybe a part that you're not as interested in, in that book or whatever. That's a big deal. So I needed to say that as a tangent, but I do want to hear from you about your general reading habits, how you prefer to read when you read those things. Well, now that I read like for the show, I read differently than I used to read, which was very recreational and always before bed. I always, no matter what, have to read before bed. It's like a Pavlov's dog type of thing. So I have a solid at least half an hour to an hour before bed. I try to read. I have adapted because I have to keep up. In the beginning of the show, I was doing like one episode a week. I would read every book start to finish. I do not have time to do that. It's like physically impossible. I I do read really quickly and I have realized that it's a muscle that you can build up. So I am reading much faster now than I was three years ago. Like my page per limit, even when I am soaking in every word is much faster. This is why I can't, I listen to audiobooks sometimes but it's too slow and my brain can't process it faster hearing it. It's only reading it. So I always read before bed. I always read while my kids are falling asleep, which takes forever. My little guys who are um, almost six and seven, and we're still at the stage where we, you know, it's check in, sit outside my room, sit in my room, come back, check in. The whole thing takes forever. And I used to, with my older kids who are now 13, find that time so stressful. And I was like, I just want this period of time over while I'm just sitting here wasting my time so I can go to my desk and start accomplishing all the other things or do whatever I need to do at night when my day will really start. (laughs) But now that I don't have a day to myself at all, I use that time to read and I'm calm and happy. And every night I bring a different book basically to bedtime and they're like, what are you reading? And I'm often like, oh, this is about, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they'll follow up with me a question. Oh, and then when I do my interview, I'll be like, oh, remember? And I show them the book and then they feel like a part of it. So I always read during that. I'll read like for the podcast, I'll read at my desk. I'll just have to sit and and do it. And yes, per your comment on permission to skim, I mean, I try to read slowly at least the first 50 to 100 pages of a book. But after that, I have not been having time to finish every single book. So, but I can read it in a way where I, I I look at every page. I see what happens on every page, but I might not soak up every single word. I also like somehow my brain knows the things I'm interested in. (laughs) So they like are like shining beacons of light to me on each page. So those are, I mean, I have a, um, my husband got me an iPad so that I could stop using my iPhone flashlight on a real book in bed (laughs) or keeping the, keeping the light on, but I still prefer, I still just love hard copy. I like hard copy books. I like hard copy newspapers and I'm a Kindle paper white convert. If you need Hmm. to know, I I was interested actually. I never thought I would be. I like to be a purist about things, although this is, I converted years ago, but 
I got a Kindle Paperwhite and have never looked back. I still do buy hard copy books because I like to have them in my hands and I have a library in my home. And so I buy my favorites. But like if I had to choose how I was going to read, it would be on my Paperwhite. I love it hmm. so much. And it's no, there's no... Um, there's no light element. I mean, it's backlit, so you can read in the total dark, but like you were saying, an Laura, iPad. Are they, is the Kindle Paperwhite your sponsor? Is that what's going on here? No, <laughs> I swear. Although, listen, they could be. Are you Amazon, about to give me a special link and code to the Kindle Paperwhite? <laughs> Amazon, if you're listening, please do come sponsor. Um, no, I'm just telling you that I love the Kindle Paperwhite. I really do. It's like my favorite way if you haven't tried it yet. Because I have the iPad hurts I my I get eye strain from reading on my phone or an iPad screen. Yeah. No, I don't like reading on the iPad. I like reading real books and I mark it all up. And that's how I know when I go back to talk to somebody because I dog ear every page. And so I know and then I can look back and remember what I found super interesting the first time. Well, yeah, it's that's much, I'm sure that's harder to do that on a uh, device. Okay. Well, thank you, Zibby, for coming and talking to us. I am so excited about this anthology. I am really looking to voices like yours right now. You know, you're always pointing me and pointing your followers to amazing books and authors, but also as we're like in this completely strange historic moment, I really like to see the people who are capturing that well. Like there's something to be said for escapism and and that's a whole different amazingness. But for the people who are becoming the voices of this time and who are really like documenting it and sharing it and, and putting it, you know, packaging it in a way that is really capturing the world experience right now, specifically the American experience, that means a lot to me. And I think that it is going to be, you know, you're like a pioneer because your book is coming out in February. Like it's real time what you're doing. And I just think it's so important and lovely. So thank you for doing it, taking the time to do that and using your skill set and that your moms that have time using it all. I love it. Um, thank you. I should also say I am donating all the proceeds of the book to the um, Susan Felice Owens program for COVID-19 vaccine research at Mount Sinai Health System because I lost my mother-in-law and grandmother-in-law this summer to COVID. I'm trying to help because what we saw was really awful. And uh, I know everybody has experienced the pandemic in their own way, but just our up-close seat to the devastation that can wreak on a person's body um, made us want to do whatever we could to help in our way to, to stop it. So hopefully, <laughs> not that book sales will, will be the thing to push the vaccine over the edge, but, um, but just for people buying it, that is what, where the proceeds are going. Yes. Thank you for saying that. Reading your story of loss around COVID was so touching and it's just so hard. And I'm sure a lot of people will relate to that. So the fact that you're donating the proceeds is even more special part of this project. So thank you for reminding us of that. It's all just been so hard this past year. Yes. I'm Laura Tremaine, and you've just listened to the 10 Things to Tell You podcast. 
You can find the show notes and subscribe to episode emails at 10thingstotellyou.com slash podcast. And you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at 10 Things to Tell You. Remember, this is an interactive podcast. I have 10 things to tell you, and you have 10 things to tell. So take this topic to your journal or a friend or post on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. These episodes are meant to bring connection with others and ourselves and spark better conversations. Thanks for listening. Now go share something.